Hi, I'm Kelsey. I'm an IVF warrior and infertility advocate using my platform to spread awareness about infertility. And I'm Elizabeth. I'm a certified fertility coach, life coach, birth and bereavement doula, and new parent educator. I'm here to support and serve the tribe throughout their journey from conception to bringing your baby home and everything along the way. Welcome to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. Where we talk about the dreams and dilemmas of life, fertility, parenthood, and everything in between. We hope you enjoy this episode. Please make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Welcome back to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. Tonight, we are talking to Becky Kearns, and she is on Instagram as Defining Mom and her, or M-U-M, if for those who are not hearing my accent correctly and hers, and as well as the Path to Parents Hub. I'm sorry if I'm mixing my words, Becky, but thank you so much. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Can you tell us a little bit about just your backstory and how you got to where you're at today and the work that you do? Because it's so amazing and it's transforming so many families' lives and it's such an inspiration. So I'd love for you to tell our listeners a little bit about the backstory. Like, how did this all come about? So where did this all start? Um, so yeah, I was about, uh, I was 27 when my husband and I decided we wanted to try for a baby. And I'm sure like everybody else, we thought it's going to be easy. We'll just give it a go and things will happen. And I came off the pill and it was about six months down the line that I started to think mm, something's not quite right here. Um, so I was having periods sometimes every 12 days. Um, so my cycles were the longest cycle I was having was about 21 days. So okay. I knew it's been the case and you just realized it when you started tra- uh, yeah. trying or were you on the pill before? So it was regulated or I, I- I'd been on the pill for a long time. Um, but when I, before I was on the pill, my cycles were always around 20, 24, 25 days. So, mm-hmm. and that kind of was similar to my mom as well. So I just always assumed that we just have shorter yeah. cycles. Um, but everything I started to read, you know what it's like, you go on Google, you're, what does this mean? And I just thought there's no way I can actually get pregnant in this space of time. There's just not enough time. Um, and I went to the doctor and I said, look, think, I don't think things are right. Um, and to be honest, three times I was kind of sent away as you're only young, just go yeah. away. It's just a pill getting out of your system. And they never offered to run any tests. Um, and it was only after trying and trying and I could have just gone away and sat and waited. But I, I like to know the reason why things aren't working. So I went back and they ran an FSH test. Um, how, long just to, is, how long was that from when you started? Um, so probably, I would say it's probably about nine months now since we started trying um, okay. at the point I managed to have that test. And it was mainly, I would have just carried on trying if it hadn't been for my really irregular short cycles. Mm-hmm. Um, but my FSH came back at I think it was about 17 or something and and I'd already done lots of reading to know that it should be below 10 Mm. um and so we quickly we went to a private consultant because it was taking so long through the National Health Service in the US Mm. in the UK um and they ran an anti-malarian hormone test so an AMH test um and that came back as 0.7 so I still remember the moment when they phoned me and said, are you sitting down? <laughs> um, we just need to like tell you that, look, you, there's, 
it's not impossible, but the chances of you conceiving with your eggs are, are really low because um, it looks like you're entering early menopause given your hormone results. And also I'd not put two and two together that I was having night sweats and um, difficulty concentrating, which I was putting down to the fact that I was stressed about trying to conceive. Right. Um, and so, yeah, we were literally told um, you need to have IVF like straight away before if your eggs are running out you need to go straight down that route there's no point trying anything else and um, they were quite hopeful actually for me at first they said with your age if we can get some eggs we expect them to be really good quality and um, we went through our first cycle literally probably six weeks after being diagnosed it was all happened so quickly Um, and we I think we got three eggs from that cycle um, we ended up with one embryo on day three, which was transferred and I became pregnant. And I thought, oh, that's the hard part over. We've managed it. We did it. And um, never even considered that something would go wrong after that stage. Um, But it was about eight weeks when we had a scan and we were told that there was only a sack, that it was an empty sack and um, it didn't look like where it should be for that stage. So we then had to wait, go back and and everything. So, so yeah, and I think that was the point where it really hit me that the whole infertility suddenly not being able to conceive in the way that we'd always imagined. um, Because I think before that I was just fueled by adrenaline and hope and this will happen. And yeah that was where I think the grief really hit me and um I started to think well what if this doesn't happen what what are the other options and um donor eggs came up as a, as an option but at that stage I just wasn't in that position to hear it and, and they brought it up to you or you researched it and saw it yourself mainly through my own research um and I did mention it to them and they said look we we're still hopeful about your age and let's mm-hmm. keep trying um but it is a, an option we'd recommend in the future and me being me I always have to have a plan in place and I need to know that I've got that back I mean I'd always always thought I would be a mum one day I never even considered a life without children right. um And so that became my sole focus and it totally consumed me. Um, So I would research. But at that time, if I look back now, I totally avoided all of those stories like mine of someone who then went on to use donor eggs. I didn't want to hear it. I was in denial. Um, And I was just searching for those miracle stories of someone who managed to conceive with her own eggs with such um, a low reserve. And and so we then went into cycles two, three, four, okay. really in really quick succession, um, all of which either resulted in um, nothing to transfer or it was um, a failed cycle. So we, we never got pregnant again. And at the point after the fourth cycle, we thought, mm, right, I think we need to start thinking about other options. Um, and actually, I met somebody through a Netmums forum Um someone else in the UK who had similar diagnosis to me and had a little boy through um, donor eggs and that really was my turning point because she was really great because she never pushed me down that route she just said you will know when you're ready and if you're ready and she would be the first person I would send messages to and ask questions of and we finally met up and I saw her with her little boy and I remember getting back in the car and I cried because I could just see the bond that they had and everything that they shared. And 
it was kind of like a moment where I started to almost redefine what it meant to be a mum and I started to then focus on more of the things that I could possibly gain through going down this route rather than just what I was losing um and it wasn't overnight that I kind of turned around to it but I it took time and my husband took a bit longer than me so there's kind of the grief from his perspective as well of not having the child that we might have originally imagined um and we decided that we would have one more shot with my eggs and if that didn't work then we would move to donor eggs and that fifth round was unsuccessful as well um we actually had two embryos which we'd never had um from that round and I thought oh this is it Mm -hmm. but it, it was a negative result and to be honest if I look back now I think I knew it was the right decision to stop with my eggs because I didn't feel as devastated as I thought I would because I was I think I was ready to try donor eggs and we were told that our chances would go from I think it was just below five percent to over 50 percent just by changing that and so that's that's a good uh, a good number yeah so tenfold and I actually for the first time in a long time it felt possible that I might actually be able to get pregnant and and uh, kind of have a baby and that I think once I'd met that other lady who gave me hope in a way that then became my focus and um, we were we were on a waiting list at our clinic in the UK which was really really long and we were just getting nowhere near the top and um, I think with my mental health state at the time I was just I needed to move on and we we then contacted some clinics abroad and we ended up going to the Czech Republic um, and we went to a, a clinic in Prague um, and things common for people who are listening and um, it's a lot of women and couples go to the Czech Republic for lots of different fertility yes yeah it is it's kind of IVF tourism out there is a, a big thing um, and we had a really great experience actually they were really really well organized I was really worried about going to a different country for medical treatment but um, it, it was really smooth um, we were matched with our donor fairly quickly. Um, and so for those that are listening, can you go through that process a little bit? Because often people ask, like, what does yeah. that even look like? You know, is it like online dating or do they give you here's 10 to choose from? Or is it a whole, you know, how, how did that process work for you guys? It's so, you know, at the time I had no idea how it worked in other clinics. And now I know there are so many different routes to go down. So there are agencies you can go to and give a really specific profile and they'll go and search for a donor for you. Um, or you can go through sort of egg banks where you've got the criteria, you basically looking through a catalogue of donors and getting lots of information. Where we went, um, we got very, very limited information. So all I, I remember filling out the form that I was given and basically I had to put down what eye colour, hair colour we wanted. Um, and I think basically it was like putting me down on paper because that when you're in that position, you kind of are looking for as close a match to you as possible. Sure. And and I think that's quite a normal thing to do. Um, so yeah, we, we put all our details down and the match came back and pretty much she was me on paper. She was even the same age, um, height and weight. So um, everything just matched. And so I felt quite comfortable about it. I'm At the time, I didn't really give it too much thought because that was taken out of our hands. Mm-hmm. Now, in hindsight, if I had have been looking through a catalogue of donors or having to go into real depth or reading letters from donors, 
I think that would have been, I think I would have probably found it quite difficult at that time because I was still very much in the grief stage. Yeah. Um, but reflecting back now that I'm a mom and I've kind of give a spoiler alert, I've got three girls now. Um, I look at them and I really wish I had more information about our donor now. Yeah. And I think that's, that's some advice I'd give to people around it, it can be so easy when you're in that position to you're just focused on getting pregnant, then staying pregnant and having a healthy baby to bring home. I don't think I could really allow myself to even look beyond that. And I think when when it comes to donor conception, there's so much I've learned since um, around okay, that that baby becomes a little person that you're going to talk to about their story and you're going to they're going to ask questions. And from listening to many donor conceived people out there, I hear, I, I actually don't hear of anybody who doesn't feel that they have the right to that information mm-hmm. um, and to know kind of where half of their genetics came from. And so I've reflected on that and I've kind of struggled a lot with some guilt really because our donor was anonymous and, and that is kind of the the law in the Czech Republic um in the UK it's open ID so it means at the age of 18 the child can contact the donor um but I'd always say to people that's one thing you really do need to give some consideration to um and how you then will talk to your child about that and um yeah and I think I'm saying this now in a very different mental place than where I was at the time um emotionally I think, and this is the thing I talk about a lot, I think it's really important to talk about all the different fears that we face when we're going through this decision. Um, At the time, I felt very threatened by the thought of the donor um, and worried that they potentially might replace me one day or I might not be seen as the real mom. And there were definite feelings of failure from my part in, in that my body couldn't do what I wanted it to. And that she was doing that one thing that I wanted to do and her eggs were being mixed with my husband's sperm. There's so much to get your head around. And so for me at the time, having that whole donor match taken almost out of my control probably helped me (laughs) almost process that a little bit easier. And I think the distance I found um, gave me a bit more comfort. Um, I'd always had in my head that if we used the clinic that was local sort of half an hour down the road that I would always be sort of out for dinner and kind of looking across going oh, could that be her or right. is that her and 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 yeah there's a lot of things to to really think about but once you got pregnant did you feel like a lot of those thoughts went away as far as you know the the reels in your head of like okay I'm on to the next stage essentially or was did that those thoughts follow you from choosing the donor to being pregnant and then now having your daughters yeah I would say that I remember the moment I saw the embryo on the screen and I just felt so much love at that moment in time and I, I was really worried about how I would feel because having seen my own kind of genetic embryos on on the screen I thought and I, it just felt right in some ways. Um, and, but that doesn't mean, I think when I was pregnant, I was so, so overjoyed just to have got to that stage and to, I mean, I had a, a very um, kind of up and down first 12 weeks in both of my pregnancies where I was having lots of bleeding and kind of worries about losing the pregnancy. And so I think I realized during that time how attached I'd, bec- I'd come to it and, and um as I was, pre- I loved being pregnant and I just felt so grateful at that point to be having that experience because that's something else that I'd always wanted to do. I'd wanted to experience pregnancy and I 
I think I still had some of those niggling fears and and this is kind of why I've created the platform that I do today because I kind of went through that in silence really I didn't really speak to anybody and Mm -hmm. I worried about um, whether I would bond with our baby Um, I worried whether our baby would have some kind of sixth sense that they weren't genetically related to me and would potentially cry all the time when I was around and maybe then settle with Matt my husband Um, and I worried about um, what other people would think as well. So we were fair, we were open with our family because they they knew throughout. But I was worried about and um, in those. I remember sitting in a, in an antenatal class and feeling a little bit different to everybody else. And um, it was only at a later date where I found out that actually somebody in my antenatal class had also used donor eggs. Yeah. But it's crazy how you, you feel very much alone, and, and that's why I want people to be able to talk about these things. And I had even these little fears going through my head and I felt very superficial for feeling it but what my, what is my baby going to look like and mm-hmm. I suppose nobody knows what their baby's going to look like but you kind of have in your head that there will be a, a, a mix of the two of you and, and having right. this blank face on one half of it was mm-hmm. quite difficult to deal with um but I now I again you kind of reflect back and you think why did I feel like that and why did I, all of those thoughts come into my mind and I suppose when you're pregnant at that stage everything is still so unknown and the only real thing you know about your baby is that they are donor conceived and so I think it's perfectly normal and natural for those thoughts to still kind of dominate and it was when I had Mila so my eldest daughter who is almost five now Mm -hmm. I think I just I fell in love with her the moment she was placed on me and I just Mm -hmm. suddenly thought I'm your mom and I I wouldn't say that I attached completely in that moment, but the process started and I was really, really grateful to be able to breastfeed. And that was something that was really important to me. And I I think I put a lot of pressure on myself, really. Mm -hmm. Um, But it was that biological connection. And I kind of look down now and I I see um, I have a C-section scar from when I had my twins and I, I kind of, you, you know, you've, you've grown them and you've nurtured them. And um, I think just hearing about, um, epigenetics and, yeah, and how you influence them through that I think that gives you so much comfort that actually that embryo could have been placed in somebody else's womb and they wouldn't be identical to how they are having been um right. nurtured by me and as they grow I can honestly say that those fears and those worries do they disappear more and more and more and I just become so much more comfortable in my role as mum that I no longer feel threatened by the thought of the donor and that's going back to what I said about actually I kind of wish I knew a bit more about her now and um, I think sometimes it does take you've always got to experience it and that's why it's really hard to explain to someone how they're going to feel mm-hmm. um, but it, it is a process and you get to know them um, by spending literally every minute of your day with them and they get to know you and if anything I feel that in some ways I've got a stronger bond with the girls because I have been the the kind of the main primary caregiver um and when they get hurt they all they want is mummy and that is (laughs) it is kind of what you've always wanted and the joy and the love that you share and the memories that you make together they cannot be replaced by the donor um and I think it's just understanding that they're, if they do want to know more about the donor in the future, it's not because they love me 
any less it's because mm. they're curious and and yeah. I think actually now I can put myself in their shoes I probably would be curious too um so yeah I think it's I feel it's really important to share these things because I didn't I hadn't heard anybody who would kind of was further down the line and reflected kind of back on why did I feel that way and and what what was that all about but I think also realizing that those fears and worries are normal you're not <laughs> you're not having them because maybe you're not ready it, I think it's important to talk about these things but it, it is it's a grieving process and yeah, yeah I think I, that's so important to acknowledge because in the whole fertility realm, right? You, you go from your news of your FSH to your AMH to now your failed cycles. So all along the way, you're realizing, okay, I need to figure out plan B or I need to figure out plan C at this point. And I think a lot yeah. of people struggle with, okay, when do I make that jump? Because it is so unknown, right? And it all those questions that you you said that go on in your head, everybody's thinking those same things, but yet I think if you realize what is on the other side of all that fear is this beautiful family, you know, it's such an amazing thing. And how do you bridge that gap? Like, what do you suggest for you? It sounds like meeting somebody and physically seeing, wow, this is an amazing mother and son relationship that you could see yourself doing. What, what do you recommend for people that are in that situation right now? Cause I have a quite a few clients that are, you know, maybe yeah. considering and they, you know, do we try one more time with our own eggs or, you know, how do you, what do you suggest yeah. to bridge that gap? It's, so my, my biggest thing I think is to connect with others. So connection I think is so, so important. Um, particularly in those early stages, I think it's good to see people who have walked that path before. Yeah. Um, and also you'll just find so much validation in hearing other people speak and, and, I can almost guarantee that if you were to say, I'm really worried about this particular thing that someone else will say, yeah, me too. And, right. and that's kind of what I've created with Paths to Parenthood. There's a, a, a private community, which is away from social media and people just pop on whenever they're having these feelings. And, and we've got people who are parenting now with donor conceived children through to people who are just at those early stages and, and mm-hmm. each one is helping each other. And right. it's just beautiful to see yeah. um, the love and support that's, that's happening there and um, people sharing their reflections. So connection would be a big thing um, for me. I'd also say counseling. Um, I think to, to be able to speak to somebody Mm-hmm. Uh, in a private safe space for you to process some of those thoughts and talk it out because they are they can be really heavy to carry and Absolutely. I didn't have specific infertility counseling I kind of look back now and I think maybe I should have but mm-hmm. I had counseling through my work um, they had a um, kind of a support program and this counsellor knew nothing about infertility really or the donor egg process but it was an hour every week where I could literally pour my heart out and I'd cry I'd talk through all of those things even things that I felt like I couldn't really speak to my husband about because I I think men and women are very different (laughs) when it comes to these things Matt was always very matter of fact and I was much more of an emotionally driven person so I think having some counseling and working through that grief will help you later on down the line but I think it's also worth remembering that um, 
you will potentially still have triggers down the line and it's almost accepting that it's a grieving process and accepting that you are grieving the loss of your genetics and Mm -hmm. you're grieving the loss of a dream and you're having to redefine that new dream um and I've reflected before about do I regret I was asked this many times um do I regret not trying again with my own eggs and I mean I'd look at my girls now and say absolutely no regrets whatsoever because I would do it all over again just to have them and I think at the point where you can kind of look back and think you can see the joy you can feel what you may gain and you can think that actually having that I'm not going to think still be thinking if I only had tried again with another egg and it's the same with the 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 choice around the donor can feel like so it feels like the biggest decision you've ever made in your entire life I imagine yet when you've made it you would never you look at that child you would never look at that child and go oh if I'd only have chosen that other donor because you wouldn't it, it, it brings you to a point where you've you've got everything that you've ever wanted and I always say that I I, I kind of hate the term plan b because it was my plan b Mm -hmm. but it doesn't mean that the end result was my plan b it was just the way the route we took to get there um and I'm really conscious that the girls are always aware of that that actually it was them we were always looking for and when I talk to them about their story and I say that that we have special books so we read happy together children's book is one um and they point out they say oh mommy and daddy look sad and this is the point where we're at the doctors and I say well yeah we were sad because we wanted a baby we wanted you mm-hmm. and then we talked to them about how mommy's eggs were broken um and that we needed to have some eggs from another lady who did a very kind thing um and they were put with daddy's seed and that made them and they always loved the bit where then they were put in mommy's tummy and when we grew them um and yeah, all three of them can recount their story with pride. And, and I, I think that's another thing around being able to process it and talk it out and think about how you're going to, going to talk to your children about it. Um, it's just, it's kind of working towards sharing your story without shame um, yeah. because there can be so much shame attached to this path to parenthood. And mm-hmm. I think historically it hasn't been talked about. Historically, medical professionals told people not to tell. Um, and that there was no need to tell yet now it's much more open and Mm -hmm. I feel that the next generation of donor conceived children will benefit from that as well absolutely and it's so beautiful because I mean we're so lucky that we are in a time right now that it's even possible that this can happen I mean 20 years ago it was just starting to be happening and it really wasn't talked about at all and now there's this whole movement and so many women that are older granted that wasn't your situation you had something else but it is more and more common and the more that we talk about it the more accepted it is and the more more beautiful children that are going to be out there from this process because it is possible and I think the reframe on all of it is to your point this you're not the plan B, you are the end result of what our goal was, right? And it doesn't matter how you get there, it's getting to those little souls that were meant to be with you, no matter how, how they got there. And I think that that's what is so incredible that sharing these stories more and more make it not so hard, not such a harsh kick in the gut when the doctor tells you, I think this is what you need to do. Because I I was told that and I think that you don't expect it. Right. I mean, for you, you, you felt like you, okay, you got your numbers back. Maybe you could have expected that a little bit, 
but most of the time we don't, right? You never yeah. think that that's going to be your path when you're not 15 years old thinking about your family or you're 20 years old. You never think that that's exactly. someone's ever going to say those words to you, right? And those words are being said every day, thousands, millions of times a day now around the world to women. And yeah. it's, it's a shock to the system. And what do we yeah. do next? And how do we process that? And how do we grieve the genetics, like you said, but they're, to your point as well for the epigenetics, it's yeah. incredible. And that's what I say to my clients, like, let's take some time for you really to soak this in because yeah. it matters a lot. And you can probably see from your own little ones how much they are like you, right? Because, yeah. and because of that. Definitely. And, and absolutely. I kind of find as they get older, my eldest Mila, who's now at school, like I, I see myself in her more and more every day. Um, and it's just the way in which she speaks, her mannerisms. Uh, people say that we've got the same smile. And I think there's mirroring that goes on. And yeah, I think I can see myself in all of them. And yeah, they may physically look more like my husband. Um, but one of the things I really worried about was whether people from kind of who didn't know us would be instantly be able to tell that I wasn't mm. their mom and kind of assume yeah. that I was the babysitter or something else. <laughs> but that's never once happened. And and they they're they're attached to me just like any child is attached to their mom. Yeah. And, um yeah, I I'm the one that knows the cues and I I know what they need and they they just have that that bond that you just can't break. And I think it's it's allowing yourself to reframe it and I think visualization is really important when it comes to this path as well because you've kind of got to allow yourself to imagine that you're going to have a child you are not going to share a genetic link so you're having to accept that um but it, it is allowing yourself to dream a little bit about the things that you get to gain and and one of the things I really always dreamt about doing was picking my child up from school and them running towards me. And mm -hmm. I still have these pinch me moments all the time where Mila will come out of school and she'll literally run towards me, beaming with smiles and jump straight into my arms. And sometimes I do actually well up with tears. And I know, I'm into right now. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. And I just think to myself, how lucky I am to get to experience this with them when I never thought that that would happen and it's amazing how you can go from feeling like the unluckiest person in the world to then feeling like the luckiest person in the world and um, at the very beginning you feel so unlucky because of all the things that you're losing and you, you find it hard to accept this path but I tell you once you're down it and you've got these children that you absolutely adore and would do anything for wouldn't change yeah. in the slightest um you you just realize it kind of is it, it sounds really cliche but it is worth it in the end and mm -hmm. I just think with donor conception it allows you to you've almost become a more conscious parent I think because I think actually anyone who's been through fertility treatments you almost become that you probably put a lot more pressure on yourself as well I definitely do yeah. mm -hmm. um but you are grateful for every moment that you have. And yeah, you can still find things hard, but you do, I think, have those more conscious moments of being able to appreciate it. And um, I definitely feel that I'm a better mum because of the journey I went on. Um, and I'm more empathetic and I'm more aware of their needs and, and their kind of what they might need in the future and that's why I'm kind of trying to learn as much as I can now as a parent through donor conception listening to other kind of 
they're conceived adults now and find yeah. trying to understand how they felt and how my children might feel and what I can do to best support them yeah. on that journey so um yeah I just think that finding community speaking about these things and emotional support is so important because like you said there are thousands of women who are hearing this news every day that you're going to need to use an egg donor and I think for the majority of people it's like a sledgehammer <laughs> it's in you yeah. it was for me it was like oh I never even knew that people donated eggs before never mind use someone else's yeah. eggs um and to uh, that point as yeah. well I would say we need egg donors right I know in our country we do so if anybody is listening to this and knows of somebody who is you know open to doing that I would certainly start spreading that word too because it, it is something that is a need out there for healthy women that are able to provide this so absolutely I can't think of any other gift that anyone could give somebody other than it's, it is so life-changing and I've often spoken to and interviewed egg donors and every single time I end up crying because of they've done something so amazing and and actually now I would love to be able to thank our donor and um, reach out and just say how much she has completely and utterly changed my life for the better and um, there's no other word for it. But. And so can you tell us a little bit about the services you guys offer with your your hub and all that? So what, yes. what can people expect to find there and how does it work? So Pastor Parent Hub, um, I launched it last September. So it was actually a bit of a pandemic lockdown <laughs> um, starter, really, yeah. where I found myself. I was originally deliver, going to deliver some events in the UK um, and decided to bring everything virtually, which actually has worked out really well because I have quite a few members who are now in the US and Australia and Canada and all over the world. Um, not just the UK but what I basically do is um, I've got a network of experts now who have worked in donor conception for a number of years so um, perinatal psychologists, um, counsellors, I have um, lots of researchers who've worked in um, donor conception and, and they come and they, they answer our questions and they speak on certain topics so the most commonly asked uh, questions and fears so we've covered things like how might my child feel um, attachment and bonding we had a wonderful webinar on epigenetics um, we've looked at dna testing and the implications for donor conception um, we're going to be talking about choosing donors um, how to talk to our children just everything that you might have thought how do i do that or i'm feeling this fear what does that mean it's broken down um, with personal stories as well and are these recorded? So if people want to go back to find them, they, they can find yes. them on this hub? Okay. They are. So and they're a to parent hub again for anybody. Yeah. So it's a, it's a membership platform. Um, and also there's membership to the community, which as I said before, has um, so much um, support within the, the members that are on there. Um, and then also I host monthly um, support groups as well. So again, we have people from all over the world. world. I try to host them on a Sunday so that even though I'm doing it UK time, mm -hmm. those like in the States might be able to join. Yeah. And I'm going to expand those um, with some other volunteers who are going to take on some support group roles as well. So yeah, there's, there's perspectives from men. We've got some perspectives from donor conceived individuals. Um, there are, there's gonna be some donors talking this month. So we're looking at the motivations of egg donors. 
and it just allows you to explore all the different facets of donor conception and if you're already parenting you can speak to other parents and make those connections there or if you're going through treatment you can find people who are doing that as well and it just is that space where you can be yourself and say this is how I'm feeling um, and there's also a counsellor directory as well that I'm building where people who specialise in donor conception can um, they can go and, and find the right counsellor for them and, and be able to talk things out a bit more so yeah it's just a platform to bring everything together it's all of the things that I wish I'd have had back when I was on my journey and um, yeah it's, it's grown massively over the last six months I've been I'm really surprised actually kind of start something just on your own and you think how how is this going to go but the feedback has been amazing and people have just said it's made them feel less alone um more aware it's so, so needed you you filled a void that was really needed and so it doesn't surprise me that you had so much success I think it's fantastic I always tell my coaching clients it's so important to seek out the knowledge and the information and educate yourself on that and this is the perfect place to do that because you can get yeah. variety of information and from different aspects, which I think when you're making that big decision is important to know. And to your point earlier about wishing you had thought through things di different yeah. way, this is a platform for them to educate themselves in all those different ways, right? Instead of like Absolutely. making the decision on the spot without any background of yeah. what is that going to mean for my life and how is this going to affect my husband or my family or anybody else around me? So I really appreciate what you're doing and gathering these people together to educate the community and donor conception Thank because it's it's growing more you know it's not going yeah. away and it's going to continue to grow and so I think the more people that we can educate whether they're family members of people that are going through it or friends of people that are going through it even I think it's so important because it's yeah. it's here to stay and it's gonna yeah. like you said there's going to be a whole new generation of children that are speaking out and proud to say so and that's really beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I just feel it's so important for us to look after ourselves in this process. And um, in doing so and taking care of our own emotional kind of health throughout this, not just looking at the practicalities of getting pregnant, but emotionally, how am I dealing with this different path to parenthood? I think it, it's the way to prepare us to then best support our children. And that's kind of what's important at the end of the day. So absolutely. I think it's so important to look after yourself and to reach out and get that support because it isn't an easy decision it's not for everybody but it can be the best decision you've ever made as well it's it's complex and it comes with a lot of complex feelings um, and very extremes of emotion but I hopefully what I've said and what I've put across in terms of our reality and that's the reason I share through defining mum is to give people hope that you you may be sat there thinking I'm never going to be a mom I'm never going to get to experience these things and yet this is an opportunity for you to have that and yeah. yeah there's a lot of things to think about it's not a quick decision but it it can be amazing it can be life-changing so yeah thank you so much for chatting to me about it and allowing yeah. me to share I just I think the awareness is amazing and and the mental health aspect that's what I tell my coaching clients every day is I'm more concerned about your stress level rather than what you're eating and drinking every day right assuming that that's within normal reason yeah it's like those that emotional stamp that is going on in your body that's carrying over to your children 
not, and that's not a DNA thing, right? That's just the stress that you're carrying. And if we can relieve some of that stress by educating people and making them feel like it's okay to go down this path and it's actually becoming very normal and, yeah. and, and look at all these people that are just like you that, that made the same decision and they have this beautiful outcome. So again, yeah. how can everyone find you, Becky? Um, so you can find me at, so I'm most active on Defining Mum uh, on Instagram, um, which is also on Facebook as well. Um, and I'm more than happy to answer any direct messages. Sometimes it takes me a few days just to catch up because it can get a bit busy. But um, yeah, I just love connecting with other people and just being able to guide them and point them in, in the direction. Um, and there's also an Instagram account for Paths to Parent Hub, um, which I'm assuming you can add to your show notes um, yeah. at the end. Um, and the website is www.pathstoparenthub.com if you want to find out more about the community um, and how you can join and be a part of it. Um, yes. And as Becky mentioned, it's for anyone anywhere in the world. So in different countries, yeah. of course, there's different um, rules or laws probably, but overall the information is the same. And um, I would definitely connect with this plan to parent hub because it's just an amazing resource for anyone who's considering or going through it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And it, UK time tends to be the, the live uh, webinars and things like that. Uh, just simply because that's where I'm based um but that's why I've, I've had all the recordings on there so you can watch anything in your own time you can submit questions beforehand um and also you can watch it with your partner as well because quite often people really struggle to get their other halves when they're in a heterosexual relationship to engage and kind of take part in the discussion and I know I did with mine and many people have said we've actually just sat down and watched one of your webinars together and he's opened up now about this or he understands more about this and and that's the other benefit really that they can get involved without you having to drag them along to a uh, an actual session in person so yes. which brings up a great point there's been so much disconnection this year with COVID or those last 15 months yeah. whatever it has been with people going through their clinics, a lot of them have to go alone. So that brings up an amazing point that this is something that you can actually do together and try to reconnect on this fertility yeah. journey together because it is so you know segregated, unfortunately, right now with partners not being able to come into the clinic. So I love Absolutely. that you pointed that out. Yeah, yeah, I think that's really important because you can feel very lonely even when you're in a couple going through this journey. Yeah. And uh, I've shared perspectives from men as well. And I, I really, I think it's really important to get them to talk about how they're feeling. So there's a, there is a webinar to watch back, which is basically two men sharing their perspective after going through egg donation. And um, many people just said their partners were like, this is basically, it's like, he's taken it from my mind. This is how I felt. And yeah, um, I love yeah, that. So it's important to get those different perspectives. So. Yes. Good. All right. Well, I'll let you go. You have a wonderful night and it was great. To Thank see you. you. We'll talk to you. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Pretty Little Tribe podcast. You can find us on Instagram at Pretty Little Tribe. And if you related to this episode, take a screenshot and hashtag Pretty Little Tribe because we want to see those in our DMs so then we can share them in our story too and give you some love back. Of course, if you have a topic idea or want to be on the podcast, email us at prettylittletribe at gmail.com. Please don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks again for joining your tribe today, and we will see you next time.